Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. And while we are doing that, I just want to, uh, on behalf of the Olaiye family, thank everyone for your incredible outpouring of love and support. Uh, in particular, this last Friday, uh, it was a very, very glorious celebration, as tough as it was. And um, I've said this before, and I'll say this again, if I ever get in trouble, I would like to get in trouble at work fine. Because there is a way, because there is a way in which the body of Christ in this assembly rally together. And uh, we receive strength from one another. Since the incident happened, on any given day, at least 40, 50 people have been in Small's house. I mean, on and on and on and on, encouraging, loving, bringing food, and so forth and so on. It's just unbelievable. So I want to really, really, from the bottom of my heart, thank every one of you for your labor of love, your contribution, your prayers, your generosity, and your acts of kindness. And I pray that the seed you've sown in love and in kind, God will multiply back to every one of you beyond and above your expectations in Jesus' name. Amen. And because you've mourned with those who mourn, you will also rejoice with them that rejoice. And the incident that befell us will be very, very, very far and apart in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for those of you who are here, you will see the incredible challenge that Kenny left all of us. Well, perhaps you are too blinded with pain that you could not see it. It's possible how in three short years this handmaiden touched me, touched you, and touched people beyond this community. Yeah. And the testimonies and tributes that were given were not because of a cow, a house, but because of how she served the kingdom of God. So the message and the legacy for all of us is not how long you live, but what impact you have made while you're here. Unbelievable. That, that was so clearly spoken down. Small spoke to me maybe a day or two before the day and said, Pastor, because of the age differential and because Kenny's family, Perhaps you should not give the eulogy or perhaps even come to the service. Yes. He initiated that conversation with me. Yes. And I said, no problem. He said, but if you don't do it, who would you suggest to give the message? Ah. I said, for that one, we have somebody that was born for this purpose. <laughs> I said, Charles Dicker will give it. Charlie, I was so blessed. 
I was a proud papa. As I paid attention and listened to every word and latched on to, to the spirit in which the message came. Thank you. Because I know him. You will not just tell him he has to do the message. He, 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 he labors in the spirit to bring forth the right message. And all of Kenny's folks and the people that came from far and near later that day kept on telling me, wow, 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 that the entire service went very well. The message was right on, and I'm so grateful Amen. that her life was not in vain and that the seed that she sowed with her life, God will bring forth fruit, Amen. not just here, but around the world. Over a thousand people logged in online. How many? Over 3,000? Ah. Well, I guess I'm, I work for CNN with fake news. <laughs> I stand corrected. 3,000? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So this morning, I uh, just want to talk to us very briefly. Um, I, I want us to just look at why do bad things happen to good people? Amen. Now, not that I am <laughs> such a, uh, how can I say this? I know you heard the title. I may, I, I, may not be, I may not even be able to answer that question. But at least we can try. On Wednesday night, we're going to do a Q&A like we did last week. Because we realize there are a lot of questions. I have them too. You have some that we come together and talk about. And in talking, we all can begin to get healed. Amen. And by the way, as I mentioned that, we have already put in place a grief counseling uh, process. So if you feel like you need a grief counseling based on what's happened, call the office or speak to Pastor Larry. We are doing this in small groups. We cannot do it one by one. We are doing these counselings in small groups. Uh, so to help us uh, make sense, if you will, of what's just happened. Amen? Amen? So Father, we want to thank you so much. That last song in this service aptly described how we feel about you. Amen. That all your promises... In him, Christ, are yes and amen. amen. We thank you for your faithfulness. Even when our circumstances tend to pull us out of the trust of who you are. Lord, we stand grounded upon the integrity of your word. The word that you said you watch over to perform. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the power of your presence. Thank you, Lord God, that even when things are rough and tough and hard, we can lift up our eyes onto the hills from where comes our help. And we declare that our help comes from heaven, from Lord Jesus. And so we accept your help. We receive it. We thank you for it. We bless your name in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 2 Corinthians chapter 12. From verse 7, even though I have received such wonderful revelation from God, 
So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. When this thing first happened, I was in a conversation with uh, my minister's son, Bishop David Adelia in Maryland. We were just talking back and forth. And I was just lamenting in my humanity. And my lamentation was, I said, David, as these guys drove to the airport on Tuesday night, I was in a group chat, video call, with Small, Kenny, Pastor Tosin, and myself. They were pricing me of the mental condition of a UT and the necessity for which they had to travel. This was late. This was about 9 o'clock on that Tuesday night. And so as they approached the airport, we ended the conversation, and I prayed. So I said to David, how could I have prayed on a Tuesday night and Wednesday morning this happened? Now, let's go backwards. A couple, of weeks, a couple of weeks before that, I was in the church service, Brother Tunde's Zashade, Sage, uh, I can't even remember your full name now, Shehun. <laughs> I call him Sage, <laughs> the wise man. Many of you were in that service. It was an ordination service. The line of five people before me that I've never known, I've never met except for one. And as I prayed for each one of those ordinances, God gave a word over each one of those guys that I just spoke out by faith. And at the end, the pastors came to me and said, how did you know what you were saying? The word was so accurate. This was... So I'm saying to you, how could I go from speaking in a word of knowledge and word of wisdom over strangers that the pastors deemed to be very, very accurate to this two Tuesday nights ago where I prayed for one that was close to me and yet God didn't show me anything. How could that have happened? How could that have happened? I won't answer that yet. Let's go to Paul. Second Corinthians 12. Paul said because of the abundance of revelation I was giving him. Go back. Yes, thank you. I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, there's theological debate and argument and controversy on what that thorn is. That's not really important at this point. Some said it's physical sickness. Some said it had an eye condition and on and on and on, different, different hypotheses. But the point is, 
the Bible defines it, says, a messenger from Satan. So whatever you, whatever you want to call it, whether it's eye problem, health issue, although if you really study close, very well, we know what the thorn is. The Bible reveals it. I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to give you the scripture. For those of you who are scriptural nerds, Joshua 23, verse 13, Numbers 33, verse 55, Judges chapter 2, verse 3. The Bible defines the thorn. Persecution, trouble, opposition. Amen? Amen? So, going back to verse 8 of this passage, three times this great apostle prayed and begged God to take whatever this thing was away. Verse 9. All God said was, My grace is sufficient. In other words, the challenge stays put. Because my grace is sufficient. Now, all of us know what Paul is. We know his profile. But for those of us who may not know, let me just quickly take you through his profile. Acts chapter 14, verse 10. NKJV, please, now. Acts 14, 10. Thank you. How about verse 9? Let's start from verse 9. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had failed to be healed, verse 10, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. Bang! And he leapt and walked. Are you guys seeing that? Chapter 16, verse 18. Acts 16:18. You know what? Maybe I better just start from verse 17. I'm sorry. <laughs> 17 and 18. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Are you seeing Paul's profile? Yes. Acts 19, verses 11 and 12. Acts 19, 11 and 12. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. That's enough. I have many more, but let's just stop right there. Now, I just showed you Paul's profile. Spirits obeyed him. Sickness is left. In fact, he was preaching one place one time. So long, the guy that was sitting on the window fell overside and died. And they got up there, caught him back from the dead instantly. Yet, he had a thorn in his flesh that he had no answer for. 
Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? This great man of God, who seemingly could do just anything when he came to himself, he was utterly helpless. So now this gets me back to my point at the beginning, my discussion with David Adelie. I said, Bishop, how can this happen? How can I be in it, smack on the Spirit of God in one minute, and in the next minute, something like this will happen and God did not tell me? They will help me out, and I'm going to help you this morning. Amen. He said to me, and I said to you, this helps us to understand the supremacy of who God is. This is where God is not our classmate. God, can you say that with me? Say God. God. It's not our classmate. It's just that simple. Because in my own head, I'm trying to figure it out. The Spirit of God spoke. He did this. He did that. But why did he not speak now? God took me to Paul. To Paul. We see it clearly in the scriptures. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, verse 13, don't turn there. Romans 1, 13, Romans 15, verse 20, Paul said to the Romans, Many times I planned to come to you, but I was hindered. What? Paul, you were hindered by who? First Thessalonians verse 2, chapter 2, verse 18. Define for us, give me that one. 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Define for us who hindered Paul. 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, time and again. Say time and again. Time and again. Which means more than one time. But Satan hindered us. What? But you know what? I, I, I so thank God for the scriptures. Amen. For God's transparency. Because if Paul did, was not inspired to tell us this, we try to figure it out. No, it can, it can, it's not possible. How can Satan hinder Paul, the great apostle? Open a blind eyes. Handkerchiefs left his body. People were healed. Raised the dead. But Paul says, let me tell you what happened. I plan to come to you many, many, many times. But I was hindered. Not by Delta Airlines. Not by Southwest. No, there was no bad weather. Satan hindered me. Get the truth. And God did absolutely nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. God did nothing about it. So this morning I want to ask four questions. Number one. Job chapter 1 verse 8. Job 1 8. Let's go to Job 1 8 first. Job 1.8. Thank you, Jesus. Job chapter 1 verse 8. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, 
Charlie, give me back New King James Version, please. Unless otherwise specified. Don't hinder me this morning. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man? Please notice that. God testified that this man was blameless and upright. Because when things happen, as human beings, the first thing we try to see, what sin did they have in their lives? I know some people are already saying, ah, that boy must have been on drugs. Did you give him the drug? Why are you the drug dealer that gave him the drug? You need to keep your mouth shut about things you don't know. You really do. Don't ever allow the enemy to use your mouth to be an accuser of the brethren. When you do that, you are working for Satan. That's what the Bible says. A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So the number one question I want to ask is, oh, verse 9, give me verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Okay, let, let me help you set up the conversation. Let, let me help you so you can see it. God said to Satan, if you consider Job, my servant, there's no one like him on all the earth. It's upright, it's blameless, he loves God and shuns evil. Satan's response, really? He really loves you? He's really that, is he serving you for nothing? In other words, the first question I'm asking this morning is, does man serve God for nothing? Does man serve God for nothing? In other words, Satan is sent to God. Job is not the real deal. What you think you see in Job is only because of what you can get from you. It's because of the fact that you are bribing Job. That's why Job serves you. So the question for, all, for me and you this morning, if God does not promise you anything else, would you become a Muslim tomorrow? Or new ager? Yeah. Because if we don't address that issue, it, this is a heart issue. Heart issue. What is our motivation? Yeah. Why are we serving? Why are we in the kingdom? Why do we pursue God? Why are we seeking Him? Are we seeking Him because of what He can give us? And when He gives, stop coming. Are we going to run, cut and run? Amen. Amen. That's the question that Job. The Satan was asking uh, God. The, the answer is we seek him on the basis of his intrinsic nature. Job will demonstrate or become a model to demonstrate for us that in spite of losing virtually everything, 
his wealth, his health, and even though he will become weak at times, yet he will not abandon God. What is our disposition? Because the truth of the matter is, let me read one scripture, Acts 17, 25. Acts 17, 25. Look at what it says. Noisy worship, thank you. Noisy worship with men's hand as though he needed anything. So there's nothing we can give to God. Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. That's just who he is. So the reason God wants me and you to serve him, to, bless, to, to worship him, is not because he's going to give us this or give us that, but because he loves us. And he wants us to respond to that love. Period. Yes, we get blessed. Yes, there are benefits. But those benefits are perks. They should never be the reason for which you come to him. Number two. Number two question. Number two question. Why do the righteous suffer? Why do the righteous suffer? Men have been trying to answer this question for a long, long, long time. And I'm not sure that we're any closer today to the answer than when we first began. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28, 2 Corinthians 11. Thank you. Paul's speaking here. He says, are they, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measures, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Now, do you guys remember who is talking? <laughs> Verse 24. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. <laughs> Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things. What comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Now, I'm showing you this because I want, you, I want us to understand that being in the kingdom of God is not an, uh, a pass for the challenges that goes on around us. I mean, I read those things about Paul said, my God, if Paul went through this, as great as he was and as blessed as he was, Man, this is tough. But you never once heard him complain. Why is that? Because he understood one thing. 
and that is the divine planning of God is that which includes, or rather, is that in which goodness and suffering are compatible. Ah, it's quite here. The divine planning of God is that in which goodness and suffering are compatible. Jesus is our model. Jesus himself is our model. Read the Gospels. We saw what happened with him. You saw how, I mean, this is the sinless, perfect son of God in the earth. And yet he did not get a pass. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm sharing this this morning because as we ask the questions we are asking, we need to know so we can put us, we can have the correct perspective. Otherwise, we're going to the slippery slope where we begin to ask the foolish questions. And you're going to see in a minute that Job asked a lot of, a lot of them. And how God answered him. Amen. So number one, does man serve God for nothing? Number two, why do the righteous suffer? And I can tell you right now, it's not just because of personal sins. So don't look at a man or a woman who is going through a challenge and think, ah, it must be sin in the earth. No, 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 no. Be careful. Number three question. How can God allow the righteous to suffer? How? Now, that, that one really threw me in a loop. Uh, th 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 this question here is the one I have the most struggle with. Now, I'm wise enough, though, not to ask God that question. Yeah. I didn't ask that question. Because to ask that question to God, like Job did, would be to question God's integrity. I didn't. How can God allow the righteous to suffer? We must all understand that you are born again. Shion is born again. Vasya is born again. People are born again in this room. But the world, the earth is not born again. We still live in a falling world. A broken world. And because we live in a broken world, all of us, born again or not, from time to time, we become collateral damage within the broken world. Go back to 9-11-2001, when Osama bin Laden flew those airplanes into the, tower, into the Twin Towers. What did those guys do? What was their sin? But there were evil men who had evil intentions, evil machinations to carry out an evil plot. Right. And over 3,000 Americans were collateral damage. Mm -hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, okay, let me go to, to the nation of my birth, where we have men and women with stupendous wealth. They pack a Maserati, a Bentley, a Rolls Royce, several exotic, luxurious cars in their garages. 
But even though they are extremely wealthy and rich, they have to drive those cars on potholes that they couldn't do nothing about. Are you following me? That's They can't go to their houses and turn on the light. They have to have generators. They can't go to their faucet and turn on water. They have to have borehole. They are rich, but they are still subject to the underdevelopment of the nation in which they live. So their wealth is not able to exempt them from the suffering of everybody else. Don't talk about driving from Ireland in Lagos to the mainland. The rich man in his Bentley will be sweating in traffic like the man on scooter because of traffic jam. Traffic jam in Lagos is like a parking lot. Cars are not moving. It's just like a parking lot. Stand still. One way to your job is four hours. What, what can, how is your wealth going to take your pet? Everybody suffers, even though you are rich. So what I'm saying to us is, how can God allow the righteous to suffer? As long as the earth is not redeemed. We all become collateral. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, that the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Even the earth is... In, it's, 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 help me it's not supposed to be like this but I need the sons of God to come forth and begin to fix things so that the earth can become the way God intended for it to be but until that happens all of us suffer at different levels are you following me last question that I have who's man to judge God. Amen. Who is man to judge God? That happens when we are wailing and weeping and crying in pain and agony and say, God, how can you do this? God, how can you do that? Why would you let this happen? On and on and on. I mean, listen, I understand our humanity. I understand that. But if we're not careful, you're going to allow our humanity to get us to a point where we're trying to judge God. That's what happened to Job. And if you ever read the story of Job, I mean, come on, this guy went through pure hell. Lost all his kids in one day. His business, gone. And on top of that, Sickness in his body. So much so his wife looked at him and said, you foolish man, curse God and die. What are you still doing here? Curse this your God. And the Bible says, Job, in spite of all of that, did not take his wife's foolish advice. Amen. However, when his friends came around, God help us that when we are in trouble or in confusion or in persecution or tribulation, the friends of Job don't come. They came and began to challenge him. Job, what is your sin? What we see you, you're not seeing that you have burning in your heart. Yes. 
and pushed him and pushed him and pushed him until Job began to start talking to God foolishly. God allowed him to talk. God is something else. Okay, Charlie. He allowed, give me Job 38, please. NLT. He began, from verse 1. He began, he talk, 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 talk. God just sat on the throne. And allow him to talk. Then in Job 38, for four chapters, please, I beg you, read it when you have time. 38, 39, 40, 40, five chapters. God finally began to thunder. Then the Lord answered you from the whirlwind. You want to judge me? Good, let's go. Verse 2. Who is that? Who is this that questions my wisdom? With such ignorant words. Because you see in part, and you know in part, and you're going to use your part to judge the whole. Brace yourself like a man. Because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Since you're so wise. Where were you, Job? When I laid the foundations of the earth. Tell me if you know so much. Why you are figuring that in your calculator? Who determined its dimensions and stretched out its surveying line? What supports its foundation since you are an engineer? And who laid this cornerstone because you now become an architect? As the morning stars were singing, the angels, together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries? <laughs> As it burst forth from the womb. You want to question God? This, this, this is your quiz. The day you start questioning God, this, this is the quiz God's going to give you. And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. <laughs> I said, this far and no further will you come. Here your proud waves must stop, my God. Look at the largeness of God. God tells the water, he tells the seas, I know your waves are proud, but here's where it stops. And they stop. And you, Job, Bank, Greg, you are going to challenge God? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored, Job, Bang, Greg, Sheung, the springs from which the seas come? <laughs> Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? 
Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from? Job. And where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? Come on. But of course you know all this. I mean, look at God. Look at what God is doing with this man, man. For you are born before it was all created. And you are so very experienced. <laughs> Have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who made the rain to fall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who does this? Who sends the rain to satisfy the patch ground and make the tender grass spring up? Don't hinder me, go on. <laughs> Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the movement of the stars? Binding the clusters of the Pleiades and loosening the course of Orion. Now, you, you notice what God is doing? He's taking him through all the systems of the earth. All the systems. Can you direct the sequence of the seasons or guide the bear with her cups across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause to strike as you direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and, the, and instinct to the mind? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can till the water jars of heaven? When the parched ground is dry and the soil has hardened to clouds. Can you, now watch this now. So God now, look at, watch, it's shifting. Now it's on the animal, animal kingdom. Job, since you are so wise, can you stop pray for the lioness? And satisfy the young lion's appetites? As they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? So God is telling you and I that even the lions in the field, he is the one that gives them what to eat. Oh my God! Who provides food for the ravens when they are young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? Do you know when the wild goats give birth? Oh my goodness! Have you watched as deer are born in the wild? Do you know how many months they carry their young? Are you aware of the time of their delivery? They crouch down to give birth to their young and deliver their offspring. On and on and on and on. That's enough. I don't need to read more. That's right. If you have time, read it. When you get done, the only thing you can do is just lift up your hands and say, God. Yeah. You are the Almighty, the only true living one. 
Apart from you, without you, there's none else. You alone are the only true and living God. I don't understand everything. I don't know everything. But I do know this. You are God. You are God. And that's what we bow down. That's what we worship you. That's what we, we praise you. That's what we adore you. That's what we magnify you. There is none like you. Yes, God. These secret things belong unto you. But those things that are revealed are privileged for us. So we can bless and honor you. Father, get the glory. Get the honor. Get the praise. Help us in a time of pain. Help us in a time of agony. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us not to be blinded by the pain that we are in. Help us to appreciate who you are. Help us to recognize the largeness and the magnificence of your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. There is no wisdom like yours. There is no wisdom that surpasses your wisdom. You, God, are wisdom. You are wisdom all by yourself. That's why you are the ancient of days. That's why with our mouth we praise you. With our hearts we bless you. We say, God, you are God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy. We honor you, Lord. We praise you, Father God. My parting words for us on this day is not to fall pray for what Job fell pray for. In Job chapter 3, I believe verse 25, the Bible says, Job said, the things that are feared have come upon him. So everything that happened to Job at the end of the day was fear-induced. He was so frightened, so afraid yes. his sons will go out ah he said I, I don't know what they're doing maybe they're smoking dough maybe they'll drink cocaine oh my god when they come back offer sacrifice yes he was not there with them yes. but speculation yes imagination yes. yes and i say that to you right now don't allow fear or your imagination to drive you yes. don't allow speculation to drive you yes. the bible says god has not given us the spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Sound mind. It's not giving us power of fear, the spirit of fear. No, you should not be afraid. God spoke to Daniel. He said, "Greatly beloved, fear not." Those two things don't go together. You can't not be loved and fearing. Perfect love casts out all fear. If you and I are afraid, it's because love is not perfected in us. Yes. Yes. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to speculation. That's what the enemy wants. Don't allow that enemy in your habitation. Cast out every fear. The way you do that is receive the love of God. How do you do that? Say, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I don't know, I don't know how, what, whatever, but I trust you. My eyes are going to be upon you. You are the author and the finisher of my faith. You are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I trust you. I don't know what's happening, but I trust you. I trust you that your love will carry me through. I am secured in your love. Don't move out of fear. And so, Father God, we thank you right now for every man and every woman 
Under the sound of my voice, Lord God, that we will not be given to fear. Lord Jesus, we will not be given to anxiety or worry over that which we cannot control. So we cast our cares upon you because we know you love us and you care for us. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Perfect your love in the hearts of your men and women. Give us a revelation of how much you love us because in your love is our refuge and our safety. Thank you, Father God. We receive your love. We embrace your love. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anybody here this morning say, you know what? I need to amend my relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. I need to be born again or I'm born again and I'm on shaky grounds. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. Anybody here? Say, I need to be born again. Or you've been born again and mm, you just don't know. Is anybody here?